started, if you would, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And uh, all of a sudden, some of you are like, oh, okay, we're going to go talk about, you know what Genesis 12 is talking about. But um, it is challenging being a father and being a dad. And we're going to springboard, of course, from that theme today. But there's a little note that's in the bulletin and as a father and as a starting out as a father I remember the first time that I heard when I first heard that we were expecting the elation excitement and the oh my that came along with that we're gonna have a child you know that means all of a sudden there's this weight of responsibility you're not just frivolously going along in life there's a child that's dependent on you when you bring that baby home from the hospital that baby is dependent on you for sustenance for cleaning and diaper changes but for so much more with regards to its perspective in life and its identity as to who it is and to the reason and purpose for being and all those big questions that people wrestle with in life, if, if we as parents would pour those things, why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, is there a God? What, 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 are the, what is the eternal state of things? You know, there are questions that people around the world wrestle with. But if we as parents took the time to pour those things into our children, how much greater a foundation they would have. And then... And I'm going to talk about him even though he's here. Christopher, forgive me for this. I'm not, it's not going to be bad. But it, it, there's a little quote there in, 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 the, uh, in the bulletin. It struck me. I remember the, the day when Christopher came to me. It's just a little fellow. He's five or six years old. And he said, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. He might not have that opinion right <laughs> He may see things as innocence, <laughs> you know, but as, as children, we emulate that person in our life. Well, we, we look at them and, you know, they've got the cape on, the superhero of sorts. And uh, when he said that, I'm like, oh, that, I thought that was sweet. But then I thought, oh, my, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And just like that earlier video said, what kind of shadow are we casting, you know? What footsteps are we leaving for others to follow in? Are we living in such a way that if they grow up just like us, will they be the kind of man or, or daughter or will they be the kind of adult that God would desire them to be? How are we leading? What kind of example, what kind of standard are we setting? A few years back, I was asked at another church, the senior pastor of the church said, David, would you write a paper for, for us about going through the scriptures and just defining the perfect dad? You know, let's look at who the perfect fathers are. And, and I uh, got excited about it to begin with to be able to do something like that. And then I started going through and looking at the, the examples of fathers that we have in the scripture. And if you start naming names or just start thinking okay think about bible heroes think about people that we have in the bible and if you think about their lives i'm not going to go through and and lay all that out right now but they all had flaws they were all imperfect in some kind of way and that while they were shining in an example over here they've got days where they just didn't get it right 
And so there was not a name that I could name that would be perfect outside of our Heavenly Father. There was not a, an example in the Bible that was perfect in how, except for God. And so I think that's a good lesson for us dads. You know, you're going you're gonna to get it right sometimes. And then there's going to be times that you just really mess it up. And if pride sneaks in, we'll never admit that we made a mistake. But if we're real, we'll go to our kids and our wives and those that are looking up to us and say, I'm sorry. I blew it. Will you forgive me? And, and uh, reiterate to them what our intentions are and our desire to be able to give them a, a good picture of what our Heavenly Father is. But I'll be first to admit to you, I, there are things that if I could go back and, and undo or even redo for my family, I would. But we don't get to do that. And so we have to pray for God's grace to be on them, for them, for them to be able to walk forward and get it right. Let's turn to, to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Of, of all the human beings in Scripture, there's the one person that stands out more than any other that people would look at and even population in the earth would look at and say, that person is our father. Even though, sorry, Adam, Adam's over here. Even though Adam in the Bible was the first man to live, there's more people that hold on to Abraham as a father. There's nations around the world that look to Abraham as their father. We know a lot of the Middle Eastern nations and the, the Jewish nation. And then for those who have embraced Christ and have come into the fellowship of, of the faith, and we've been included in the covenants that were given to Abraham, those that were given by, we're included by faith. may not be by our bloodline, but by faith we're included into what Abraham received. And uh, so I want us to take some time and just look at the life of Abraham. And we've actually done some of this before, but I wanted to touch on a few things that the Lord had, had placed in my heart. But let's start out in, in Genesis chapter 12. And just to be completely sound in this, he wasn't even Abraham at this time. At this time in his life, he was hit by his birth name was Abram. It says in verse 1, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then the next verse says, so Abram left, as the Lord had told him. That's an interesting, interesting verse. It says, and Abram left, as the Lord had told him. But Lord, I don't know where the gas stations are along the road. You know, Lord, where am I going to feed my flocks? Or how am I going to sustain my family? And all the things that we could have, he could have thrown up and said, but Lord, what about all these logistical details? And how am I going to take care of my, my, my household? And, and all of those things. It says, and Abraham left. He was just willing to be obedient to the Lord. The, the thing that's really interesting in looking at, the, at the, the historical perspective on this is if you go back up to verse 
27. It speaks about Abraham's dad, Terah. It says, And Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Uh, Haran became the father of Lot. And while Father Terah was still alive, Haran died. So Lot's dad dies. So you may not be aware of this, but one of the reasons why Lot went along with Abram was because he didn't have a dad. He, didn't have, he, was, he was an orphan. He was being raised. He was adult at this time, but he was being raised. And so Abram took him under his wing. And it goes on here uh, and talks about, it says, And while his father Terah was alive, Aaron, I mean, Haran died, died in Ur of the Chaldees. So they were living in Ur of the Chaldees. That's where they were, where came from. That was the land of their birth. And then it goes on a little bit further and talks about their marriages. But it says, um, if you go down a little bit further in 31, it says, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. So the journey to Canaan actually began with Terah. Terah was the one that had a vision or had an intention to be able to go to Canaan. He was leaving the land of his birth. He was moving along and going to this, this land that, that, uh, of Canaan. And it said, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years, and he died in that place. So there was something going on in the heart of Terah. We don't have any indication in Scripture that it was a, a spiritual vision from the Lord, that, that somehow that God appeared to him and said, you need to make this journey over to this other area. But there was something going on in the purpose and the destiny of the family to where they were being drawn to that area. There was a, a purpose, purposefulness about it in the Lord. But a generation proceeding stopped at Haran. And for, not for six months or not for a, a year or not for a few years while they gathered themselves and got things ordered, he lived another 205 years short of Canaan. He lived out his life. And, and folks, it, it's, to some degree, it's human nature that a lot of people start out life and they've got a vision and a purpose and something burning on the inside that they would like to do with their lives. Some Canaan land ahead of them, some promised land ahead of them that that's the, everything inside of them is driving them. That's where I need to be. That's where I need to go. That's what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. But for some reason, a lot of people, it may be the circumstances in life, I don't know, maybe they... Uh, got a flat tire along the journey and pulled into a place and got comfortable there. Obviously not a flat tire. But that something happened, something occurred, and Tara stopped short. And having stopped short, he became comfortable and settled in and then spent 205 years of his life short of the promise, short of the purpose, short of that destiny. And I just want to right here take an opportunity to tell you revisit the things that God birthed in your heart when you started on your journey with the Lord if God put something inside of you and he birthed something it may have sounded too fantastic too great almost unrealistic to you that you could ever attain that thing I just want to say this to you stir it up again 
revisit it with the Lord. Awaken that purpose and that plan and that vision again in your hearts with the Lord. And let the Lord show you how and let the Lord encourage you along because God may have created you for that. So don't just get settled somewhere and pass 205 years. How many of you would like to at least make it 205 years? Maybe not. (laughs) But do you see what I'm saying? It's so easy to get caught up in life and miss. We get caught up in existing and forget to live. We get caught up in just putting food on the table and trying to get just enough rest overnight and trying to just get to work on time and then get home and we're exhausted and before long this hamster wheel of life is just spinning and we're just doing our best to try to keep up with it and what we're doing we are busy getting through life but not accomplishing what we're here for so we see that with a godly visitation this divine destiny and destination becomes awakened again in a new generation with regards to Abram And God speaks to me and says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. So God speaks to Abram and says, look, you cannot stay in the place that you're in and accomplish what I have for you to accomplish. There's more. You've got to get up and leave. And let me just tell you this. There are good people in your life. There are some people that aren't good people in your life, but you may be surrounded with people that may hinder you. There may be some people there that will bless you and help you to be able to accomplish, but it may be that there's people that you're, you're connected with that will hold you back from God's highest and best for your life. Discern that. And don't let anybody stop God's purposes from being accomplished in your life. I love the fact that God came to, to Abram in this place. It was very familiar. He was well I mean, he, he was not an a impoverished person. He was a blessed person with regards to flocks and, and, and uh, people in his household, even though he didn't have his own son or daughter, but he had people in his household that, that were connected to him. But God says, I've got something more. And he said, I will make you a great nation. God said, I'll show it to you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. He says, you see the hint of God's provision and protection. He says, I'll bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It would be so easy for Abraham to look at his position where he was and think, there's no way that this, I'm just over here in this little town of Haran out here in Mesopotamia. How, How... Could all the people of the earth be blessed through me? There's always an opportunity to explain away the God-given opportunities. There's always an excuse. There's always something that you could postulate to say, but what if, or I am not enough, or I don't have the skills that somebody else has. And all the time, God's speaking into our lives, but I am. 
I am that I am. I will always be everything that you've ever needed. Depend on me. Don't depend on your own abilities. If God births a vision in your heart, if God gives you an idea, if God puts a business in your mind, if God gives you a uh, uh, an opportunity or uh, uh, gives you an idea to do something whether it's great or small don't let self-doubt or anybody else's um, attempt to demoralize or to demean or to snuff that vision out don't let it happen God had to give him a promise and let him see the possibility of something bigger so that Abraham could have something to move towards. And I love the fact that it says that Abram, sorry, Abram, it says, so Abram left as the Lord had told him. Now here's something else, folks. I'm going to say this to our congregation. How old was he when he started this journey? 75. Don't quit. You're not disqualified just because you've got a few years. Thank the Lord, you've got a few years. You've learned a few things along the way. Amen? He started out at 75. <laughs> he started out. He had all kinds of opportunities to say, but God, you know, I'm kind of at... I'm ready to rest a little bit. I'm ready to pull back. Impact church. Impact church. It's time to get pregnant again. <laughs> Whatever your age is, it's time to get pregnant again. Get pregnant with purpose. Get pregnant with vision. Get pregnant with a dream. Get pregnant with something that you can birth for the Lord. Get connected with someone and share your testimony and, and birth somebody into the kingdom. Get pregnant again. Don't say, oh my. Say, oh me. Why does God have you here? God's not finished. If you're not walking through the pearly gates, God's not finished. So reignite God's purpose and God's plan for your life. If you haven't seen the promise fulfilled, the God who gave you the promise was not concerned about the time frame. If you're not done, he's not done. Press in. Pursue it. Don't give up on the promises of the Lord. We go along here, we go to... to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 15. Let's go there real quickly. God, Abram has another visitation from the Lord in Genesis chapter 15. It says, After this, so the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And it's just interesting to me the words that God introduces this vision with. It says here, Don't be afraid, afraid Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. What was he talking about? I mean, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your very, your very great reward. I, I, there's nothing very specific about that as far as purpose and plan, and you just know that he's with you. He's present. 
Don't be afraid. Don't second guess it. Keep going on. Don't give up. Keep going on. Don't worry about all the details. I've got the details. I'm your shield and your defender. And then Abraham, well, Abram, excuse me, says, verse 2, oh, sovereign Lord, with all the blessings that you give, give me, all the good that you could do for me, all that you are towards me, he's basically saying, what, what, what good is it? What good is it? You know, we can get despondent. We don't see the fulfillment of the promise. And we're like, why are we even struggling? Why are we even pursuing? Why are we continuing to work so hard at this? Why are we pressing forward when he said, Lord, oh, sovereign Lord, what can you even give me? Since I remain childless, I, I, don't, I don't even have a child to inherit what you promised me. I don't even, the whole purpose of passing something down to the next generation he said, it's just going to be a servant in my household. Eliezer of Damascus, my servant's going to be the one who inherits my estate. It says, it says in verse 3, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And then he, said, he took him out and he said, look at, Look at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And then again, we see an immediate response from Abram. He says, Abram believed God, and he accredited, God accredited to him as righteousness. I want to read it on a little bit more in just, just a minute, but I want to go back to something. It is, it is very true that there are some that we have generations that we are passing through, uh, through our physical families. We are passing God's truth and we are passing uh, a relationship with God through to, to uh, following generations. I just want to speak to you. And it may be that with regards to our physical bodies, um, if, uh, we would be in the news if everybody here just all of a sudden, ladies, if folks started getting pregnant around here. Um, Lord, you know. We're not going to call that down on anybody. But, but um, every one of us has an opportunity to, to plant a seed into the life of somebody. Every one of us has the opportunity to have another generation or an offspring in the Lord that we share faith with, that we share a word of encouragement, that we share God's truth with, and that we raise somebody else in the faith. I have a horse that I will continue to ride, and that is that we as a church must become good at discipling people. There are people with great hearts I know y'all I was excited to see the littlest baby in our congregation here today but it's an awesome responsibility all of a sudden to bring that baby home and realize this baby's dependent on us to raise right now I mean she can lift her head like that but she can't change her diaper she can't be fed she's got to have someone to nurture her 
She's going to cry when she's hungry, when she's tired, when she needs a diaper change. You know, but it's com- the child's completely dependent on you until you raise them along to where they're able to begin to feed themselves and later on they'll be able to clean themselves and then, you know, it may be a day when they take care of, <laughs> help take care of you. Um, but that, those children are so dependent on us when they're first born like that. And it's amazing, I, I, it's amazing when someone has so much love in their heart that they will embrace, a, take, a, take a child into their home and adopt a child and to raise a child, to nurture a child to life and to adulthood so that they then can begin making their own adult decisions and things like that. But folks, it's the same way in the body of Christ. Our, and and. Um, don't mean to make a, a stab at this, but I will. We, we <laughs> I guess I am. We develop uh, a mindset in the body of Christ where it was all about the numbers, where we wanted to, we will get people saved. And so we would be glad to share faith with people. And sometimes it was confrontational enough to where we'd smack them up across the head. Sometimes people need to be awakened. But as long as we could get them to pray the prayer, we would just pat them on the back and say, you need to get to church somewhere, and then we'd leave them alone. Because we did our duty. We got somebody saved, but we have not been good at nurturing. Look, babies need to be raised. They need someone to teach them how to eat. They need someone to answer the questions for them. They need somebody to be there to clean the diapers when the diaper needs to be changed because new believers make mistakes. Do we have that kind of love for the babies that are coming along? Are we willing to... Lord, help us to be willing to invest that kind of time. Adam, what you shared was insightful this morning about building that sandcastle. We're looking for the perfect, and she's having an experience. And what she's building, maybe emulating or doing kind of what you're doing, but it doesn't look anything like what you're doing. I mean, perfectionists may look at it and say, well, that's not the right way to do it. Well, it's building blocks. She's learning, and she's having an experience. Folks, new believers aren't going to get it right all the time. But we've got to have some patience and raising Disciples for the Lord means we have to invest time in them. Look, folks, as a body, we have got a lot of word inside of us. We've got a lot of teaching inside of us. Do we have all the teaching? Do we have all the insight, all the wisdom? How much does it take? How much do we need to be our, share our faith? You know, there are young mothers. They have babies when they're really young. They don't have it all figured out. What do they do? They grew up with their children, right? 13, 14, 15. I'm not saying it's perfect, but what do you do? You start where you are. You take that baby in arms and you grow along with them. When you're having children at 30 years old, guess what? You're growing along with your children. You may be a little bit further down the road. You may have a little bit more experience with life, but you're still growing along with your children. 
body of Christ. I was excited when Allison and Adam got married, and I, I was happy for them. I was excited about some grandchildren. I am excited about my grandchildren. I love it. This doesn't really apply, but I believe God wants some grandchildren. Of course, they're children. They're not grandchildren. But folks, we, we've been entrusted with a whole lot in the body of Christ. Let's bring some brothers and sisters into the faith and raise some people up. Let's, let's share what we have. When Heidi and, and, and Ralph and, and Adam were sharing today, I'm thinking there's richness in the story. If You know where my heart would be? And, of course, it would be hard to do this logistically, but I would love to hear what everybody's got to say. I would love to hear you talk about what God's doing in your life. Every one of us in our own kind of way is having an experience with God and God's nurturing you and teaching you and you're overcoming challenges and sometimes we're wrestling with something and having a hard time overcoming with it. But there is value in your journey because God's working in your life. And if you will, um, when you need help, if you'll reach out and, and get help and then if you have a victory, Juanita, even when it's a difficult thing, when you fall down and you get hurt, but God's there. God's there. Michael Cobb's just been through something, and Scott Barnes has been through something, and there's been people who've gone through some very hard things, but God's there. And the other side of that difficult experience, there's a strength that comes because you've experienced God in the midst of your difficulty. But this, the, the power of that story needs to be shared. So God promised Abraham, look, you're going to have offspring. He said, I'm the God who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees. I brought you out of that place to give you this land, to take possession of it. He had told Abraham to look, to, to look, at, look around and, and see what was there, all that opportunity, that potential in the land that was going to be his. It's very interesting to see this. This is something that, that I keep going back to this because if you look at... <coughs> Old Testament scripture, God looks sometimes because, I mean, there were masses of people that died in battle. I mean, tens of thousands. At one time, over 100,000 enemies that came against Israel that, that the death angel came through and just wiped them out. It looks very harsh. And, you know, there's people that say, well, that's not right of God to displace those peoples and give it to the, the children of Israel. Let's just take a, a little journey here. There's a little bit of a sidebar here, but in, in chapter 15 and verse, um, let's go to verse 13. Here's the thing that we have to understand. There were times in the earth when every living human being had a relationship with God. Creation, Adam and Eve, they both had a relationship with God. So they had the opportunity to pass that relationship down to their generations. They failed, they sinned, um, sin entered into the, the, the culture and the, and the nature of mankind, and we see that the, the passing, um, the, the next few chapters talk about how man's heart hardened and how murder became uh, a thing and how then there was sinfulness and everybody was just doing everything that they wanted to do. And so God brought judgment on the earth, there was a flood, God 
came back to, to Noah and his family. And then they had an encounter with God. And everybody on that ark had a, an experience with God. There were no living people outside of the people on the ark. Everybody had an experience with God. They had a knowledge of God. They saw what God did. And then in the succeeding years, there were nations that developed. And as the people spread out around the earth, Romans describes it in this way, that they did not consider the knowledge of God as to be something to be held on to. So they began pursuing their own things. They began creating idolatry or getting into idolatry. They started entering into sinful acts because they had thrown off the knowledge of God and the guidelines that God had given them with regards to the ways to live. So the corruption and all the religious practices that went around the world, it was all because of the corruption of this experience that mankind had had with God. And while the Bible for the most, most part is not a complete history, get this, it's not a, uh, uh, an unabridged history of the earth. You ever seen the, the unabridged dictionaries in the library that we used to have? They were huge. They were trying to put every word in the English language into that dictionary, and it was a huge thing. You couldn't carry it around in your backpack so we had the abridged version and we'd carry that around for school now they just have computers but the bible is not intended to be an unabridged history it is a narrow vein of history god's working with man god bringing the thread of salvation to mankind it's not talking about china and talking about what was going on in the area of russia and talking about what was going on over in africa it's not talking about all of those things it's giving us the story of salvation but when we look at the glimpses that we get, especially early in history in here, there are unusual and, and, and interesting glimpses that we get that there were people that were considered priests of the Most High God. There were people who had a relationship with God, even though in the cultures it ends up being corrupted and, and starts going into other religions. But there were people that were not in that narrow vein that were having an experience with God. And we don't, while we may not trace that history all along, there were times where God was intersecting the lives of other cultures. Now look at this. This is very interesting. Verse, verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, God is speaking to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own. Now folks, I'm just going to tell you, while God is giving a prophetic glimpse to Abraham into the future this does not sound like a blessing to begin with God's saying look he doesn't even have a son yet he doesn't even have a blood family yet he has a household with people that are attached servants uh, but and, and and people who are living with him and walking with him and taking care of his household but he doesn't even have kids yet but God's reiterating the promise to him Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be enslaved. Does that sound exciting? They will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. I understand, he doesn't have a child yet. And I'm like, God? I mean, if I was in that position, God, is this supposed to be the good, is this the good story, the good part? He said, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. 
Now, God told Abraham to leave the place where he was over in Haran to go to a land that he would possess. But God tells him right here, he said, You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be, and be buried at a good old age without having possessed the land. He's walked around it. He's seen it. And in his own position and purpose and timing in the Lord, even though he was not possessing the land, he had set something in motion that down the road, another generation, another time frame, hundreds of years down the road, that they would possess something that had been a promise that was birthed back in the time of Abraham. But Abraham's obedience set in motion the fulfillment of the promise. If he had not been faithful, if he had not gone, if he was not willing to sacrifice, then his, his following generations would never have been able to receive it. Listen to what it says here. This was very interesting to me. So Abraham was going to go to his fathers in a good old age. It says, in the fourth generation, <coughs> your descendants will come back here. It says, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its, its full measure. What's going on here? God was promising that Abraham's seed, that Abraham's descendants would one day possess this land. But God would not take the land from the Amorites yet. God would not remove the Amorites yet because their sins had not reached there. It wasn't that the Amorites had never known God. It was not that they had never had an opportunity to walk with God. It wasn't that, that their ancestors had not known Him. It was, their ancestors had known Him, but they had been rejecting that knowledge of God and continuing to turn their hearts away from God. And they were embracing idolatry and, and other ways of other lifestyles and other um, um, styles of worship and things like that. They were in a process of turning away from God. So God would not even allow judgment to come on them at this time. He said their, their sins had not reached their fullness or their fulfillment. But there would be a day come when, when judgment would come on the Amorites because of their complete and total rebellion from God. And at that point, that God would remove them from the land. And God would give that land to the Israelite people. Let me just say this. For those of us who are fathers or for those of us who are in position where we are nurturing and wanting to pass on to another generation the things. You know, you look at the life of Abraham and you'll find that Abraham went down to Egypt and he told Sarah to tell him that, I, that, that you're my sister and, and Pharaoh took her into his household and you're like, oh my goodness, this is the man of God. This is the person that is considered the father of the faith. And, and there, I mean, he, he had a, a son with, with his, his uh, the, the handmaiden with uh, Hagar. I, I was going to call her the wrong name. But Hagar, he, he had a son with Hagar. There were plenty of opportunities where we could look at him and say, man, he really blew it. But yet God had given him a promise. And I don't know about you, but I can look at my own life and say, there's times when I've, I haven't gotten it right. I've messed up. There's plenty of times when I didn't do the right thing. But I'm thankful for God's grace. And I know that whether what we're passing on is passing on through our bloodline and our descendants, or what we're sharing with people is, is by those that he brings alongside us as we're living this life. They may be our co-workers. 
our friends, our old classmates. It could be our neighbors. But God's placed a seed inside of us that he wants to be birthing into the lives of other people. If we'll be faithful to make ourselves available and be obedient to the Lord, he'll be faithful to produce in them his promise and his plan for their lives. <clears throat> Even though there was a promise in Abraham's life, I'm sure that if we could get an opportunity to sit down for just a few minutes with Abraham today and talk to him, he probably had no idea how great God, God's, the fulfillment of God's promise to him would have been. Even though he heard about the stars and heard about the sand of the sea, to know that Christ the Savior would come through his lineage and to know that all the nations of the earth have the opportunity to walk with God and know God. I'm sure that Abraham had, didn't even have a, a concept really of what the fulfillment of that promise would be. And sometimes if we knew the end at our beginning, we might just stop short because we think it's impossible. That we cannot do that. We, we're not the right person. God made a, made a mistake. Surely that can't be talking, he can't be talking to me. God doesn't make mistakes. If God gives you a promise... He's, in, he's intending to add his ability to your availability. And this may, I hope that this registers with you. But if you will be willing to do the things that God encourages you to do, if you will follow the promise of the Lord, if you'll act on the word when he gives you his word, from your current perspective, you may say, but Lord, I'm 75. But, Lord, I'm 85. But, Lord, I'm... God, surely that day has passed. God's promise was not a mistake. Be willing to work for God in the midst of the promise. And when you look back in time, you may look and see, oh, my goodness, look what the Lord has done. How many sons did Abraham have? He had the illegitimate son, and then after that, how many sons did he have? One that we know of. Really? Just think. Really? Just think about what God can do if we give God the opportunity to work through us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, this is the day when we're celebrating fathers, and Lord, we've, we've took a little bit of time to, to talk about Abraham. I want to pause. Would, would all of you here today that are, are dads, would you stand up? If, you, if you're fathers, would you stand with me? God, I, I'm standing along with some, dear Lord, that I know 
Lord, we have enjoyed the joys of seeing children, dear God, and understood the responsibilities, Lord, that, that we've got a requirement to raise these children right. Lord, we would all recognize that, that, Lord, that there may be some things that we got right, and we thank you for that. But, Lord, there's also things that we could do better or wish, sometimes wish that we had not done things the way that we did. But, God, I just want to bless these, dear Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help us where we are in the opportunities that we have to continue to influence another generation your God, or generations that are following those, Lord, that we would bless them. Lord, help us to lead them that they would know you. And God, we pray for your grace and your goodness, dear Lord, from where we are, no matter if we've made mistakes in the past, dear God, or no matter if we've even had a great, been a great example, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to gracefully lead the generations that are following us. God, that we would lead them to know you. Because one of our primary responsibilities as fathers, Lord, is that we pass on our relationship with you. God, that we teach them in the way that they should go. And God, that we protect and nurture. And God, I just speak blessings over all of these that are standing today. Can I get everybody, would everybody join us in standing right now? And Father, there is an, a responsibility that we have in the faith, your God. It's not gender-based, dear Lord, but it is, Lord, it is uh, something that you've taught us to do. You have revealed yourself as a father to us, dear Lord, but God, you've called every one of us to be involved in the process of raising people in your family. So God, I pray for each one that's here today. It doesn't matter if they've got children or not, dear Lord. It doesn't matter where they are in their age, dear Lord. God, I, we believe that we're your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Lord, that you prepared way in advance for us to walk those things out. Lord, Scripture challenges us and said, may they see your good works and glorify. May they see our good works and glorify our Father that's in heaven. So, Father, would you work through us, God? Lord, would you season our words in such a way that when we have conversations with people, Lord, that, Lord, that they're having an encounter with you and, and they're wanting to know more about you? God, would you perform miracles as we pray, dear God, and as we lay our hands on people, dear Lord? Would you birth believers into your kingdom, dear God, and give us the grace and the insight and the knowledge, dear God? We may not have it all together to begin with, dear Lord, but you can teach us how to raise mature believers in the faith god you can give us the words and you can show us how to be responsive to them dear god and you can teach us how to hear their cry when they need help dear lord and you can teach us how to clean them up and get things back the way they need to be when they mess up but god that with time and with patience and with endurance your god that they would grow into the faith god may we have a heart dear lord to raise and nurtured your God, those who are being birthed into your kingdom. Help us to be pregnant again, dear God, with your purpose and your plan. Lord, that we line up our lives with your kingdom. That we would not try to align your kingdom with our purpose. But God, that we would align ourselves with yours. 
So, Lord, I speak blessings over this house. God, you have made us powerful in you. You have given us authority, dear Lord. You've given us your word, and your word is as true and as powerful today as the first time you ever spoke it. Lord, for some, there needs to be a revisiting of that purpose and plan that you birthed when they were young, dear God. You put a seed in their heart, Lord, and that seed may have been a long time germinating, dear God, but that doesn't mean it can't produce fruit. So, God, would you quicken and awaken and birth that, bring it into being in Jesus' name. God, set us free from any kind of entrapment, dear Lord, that may hinder that or hold us back, dear God, any kind of, any kind of attitude of the heart of the mind, dear Lord, that stifles your purpose, Lord. Any kind of voice that's speaking into us that we might need to be getting away from. But God, that we would be able to live out the life that you purposed for us, dear God, and that you purposed for us, dear Lord Jesus. And God, will give you the praise and the glory for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have the opportunity, if you've got fathers around or you've got Love on them today. God bless you.